verses of Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles or uh, if you want to follow along on the screen, you can. And it says this. It says, and my righteous ones will live by what? Will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So another translation says it's the just that shall live by faith. And those that are just are those that have been justified. The Bible teaches us that we are saved and or justified by God's grace through our faith. All right? And so we become made righteous in the sight of God when we choose to believe that God is and we choose to believe what God did for us through His Son Jesus. And now Scripture teaches that it's not just a one-time decision, but now goes on to say those that are saved, those that are just, now live by that same faith. So in other words, it's a lifestyle of faith. It's not just a one-time decision. So we're going to look at characters and people in the Bible that did that, and we're hopefully going to be encouraged and be taught and learn that we too, we don't just choose faith once and then call it good. We must continue to live by that same faith that justified us because that's what true faith means. Maybe not. There, there it is. All right. So then justified, when we're fully justified, when does that happen? So whenever we die and go to heaven, that's when full justification becomes complete. So we're going to continue to walk through this world of sin that we live in, right? And our faith will be what? It'll be tested, right? And when and why is our, our faith tested? When is whenever we face trials, right? One of the reasons why we go through trials and testing is to what? Grow our faith. Because we go back and we look at all those things that God has brought us through, right? And we have records of those things in our minds and we go back and focus on those things to build our faith even more. And as we go throughout this series, I just want you to think about something. Just to continually go back in your mind of all the blessings that you have in your life and all the things that God has brought you through. And do you, I want to surprise you with something this morning. Do you know that God will not stop blessing you? Do you realize that God will not stop bringing you through the trials and tribulations you're going to face? Isn't that cool? So that is faith, just knowing in your mind that, you know what, I'm going to face a trial maybe this afternoon or tomorrow or a year, whatever it is, but I've got faith that God's going to deliver me out of that as well as the five million times he's already delivered me before, right? We could go around the room and testify all day long of those blessings and those faith builders in our lives, but this is what we have to be careful with. For whatever reason, we seem to have amnesia or loss of memory <laughs> around those things at times, Right? So we get into the next trial, we get into the next challenge in our lives, and we forget about all the things that, that God's already done for us. So just, I know I say it a lot, but continue to have those blessings in front of you and read them on a daily basis if you need to. And so the very fact that we can have confidence that God's not going to give up on us, we too also have to have the faith to believe that we aren't going to give up on God. You know, I think, I think it was uh, Josh was the last time that kind of preached through the parable of the sower. Remember the little funny pictures he had? 
Those are cool um, guys. So remember, the, the seed was <laughs> the word of God, right? And some got choked out by the world, right? Um, some, when persecution came, they kind of, uh, kind of sprouted up and then they burned up, right? And so I think about this. We have brothers and sisters in the eastern part of our world especially, and I'll just say Africa, but there's others, where persecution is way different than it is here in the United States. And so they're called, if they've chosen Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're called to now live out that faith and not allow that persecution to stop them from believing. We here in America are western part of the world. We probably get more sucked up by the cares and riches of the world. We have so many blessings that they start become little gods to us instead right. of the God. And so if we allow that to happen, we too are kind of turning away from God and focusing there. But the seed that bears fruit is the one that no matter if riches or cares of the world or persecution or trials come, that person stays faithful because the just live by faith. So let's get into Hebrews 11 and we're going to kind of define it a little bit more. Okay, let's take a look at verse 1. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I also want to read to you, I believe you have, did you put the message in? Uh, go one more slide. One more past this. There we go. Okay. So this is the message translation, which I really like. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Okay, so eyesight. We all have eyesight, physical eyesight, right? Do we need to have, through that physical physical eyesight, there's evidence of everything around us, right? Mm -hmm. So we need, do we need to have faith that you're all here this morning? No, right? We can see you, right? So we can use our senses to understand that physical eyesight is identified that we're all here this morning. Faith is something that's the evidence of something that's unseen, right? Something that we can't look out and see immediately, but a faith and trust in that it is there. And again, as we go back to God and look at all those examples in our lives where he's delivered us, what is that? That is evidence of our faith. Sure. So inside the physical world, we have senses that we can put our hands and our eyes and our ears on to realize that that is in existence. Faith is showing that something is invisible, but yet we can see. Does that make sense? You can, and then through the Holy Spirit, as Jeremy talked about earlier, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. We are blessed with having the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit literally speaks to us. We were watching a movie last night, and one of the previews was the movie Breakthrough. And I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I can't believe I, we haven't seen it yet. But anyways, I was covered in Jesus bumps. I mean, I was. I was just watching the preview, the trailer for that movie, and the Holy Spirit That's was good. speaking to me in an incredible way. And I didn't jump up and down, did I? I didn't say, oh, my goodness, I'm... You know, God's speaking to me, but it was such a cool experience where he's just saying, Josh, I'm right here. I am right here next to you in that evidence of our faith. I, uh, I go back to that quote, we're, we're in coat quote, jeez, couldn't say that right there. Um, I, he's probably one of my favorite 
uh, students of the Bible, and he's much more in a student now, but the, someone that I learned from. But he says this, the opening verses of Hebrews 11 are not a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does and how it works. True Bible faith is not blind optimism, there's evidence, or a manufactured well, I hope so. It's not just a hope so feeling. Man, I hope I'm right. Man, I hope there's a God. Man, I, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. It's not just that. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. In other words, what he's saying there, it's not just growing up in the church and believing the right things. It's not only that. But faith, says faith, does certainly not consist of belief in spite of evidence. That would be just superstition. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word despite circumstances or consequences. Sometimes obeying God's word is going to cost you. There's going to be a consequence because not everyone's going to like that about you. Sometimes there's going to be a circumstance where you're tempted not to obey the word of God. Faith says, true biblical faith says, nope, I've put my trust in God and that means I also trust his word and I know his word teaches me this. And we follow through. One example that I read or an illustration I want to give you um, that another pastor shared was um, a story of a, um, a house that had caught on fire. And the young boy that was in the home had to flee to the roof of the home to escape the, the flames and the smoke. Hmm. The rest of the family got out and the, and the dad was standing on the ground below. And he could hear his dad saying, jump, you have to get off the roof. That's the only way you're going to survive. But the young boy, the only thing that he could focus on was the smoke and the fire and the blackness inside of that. And his dad kept encouraging him because he knew what was going to happen. And he says, hey, Daddy, I, I, I can't see you. He thought he could, but he couldn't. He said, I can't see you. So this is what the dad says. He said, the, the father replied, but I can see you and that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, think about our relationship with God. Right? So he can see us. That's all that matters. Sometimes we just have to take that step of faith because he is right there, ready to catch us, ready to help us through whatever situation that we may be in. Awesome. Let's take a look on to the, the next verse. Which is yours? I had one more. I want to give you one more example. Go for it. I thought we were on to something else. So the other thing is talking about um, back to... To, I guess the firm foundation that's where it is so the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living um, it's the our willingness to trust and rely on God and his word how do we trust and rely on God's word is one we need to know God's word and that comes in diving into the Bible right reading and understanding what the word of God says but I love this little analogy and I'll read it to you it says praying for rain with an umbrella it says, a story is told of a group of people in Kansas who, after a long drought, came together to pray for rain. As they met, they discovered only one young girl had brought an umbrella with her. <laughs> Think about that. How many times, right, she is praying with expectations, with faith that God is going to deliver that rain. She came with an umbrella. How many of us go to our prayer tables without taking our umbrella with us? Yeah. Right? We're praying, we're saying, but we don't have an expectance of what God's going to do in that situation. So again, it comes back to our faith. Where are we at in regards to our faith and our prayer life? If you are requesting something from God in prayer, and you get up from that prayer time, whether it's at the table, at the altar, whatever, 
and you leave and you're still worrying about it, you're not taking your umbrella. But if you're praying for rain, if there's something there, then you need to leave there, take your umbrella and just know, hey, I don't know when, but I believe God's going to answer this. That's what faith is. That's where God wants us to walk. That's what actually Jesus, when he walked the face of this earth, that's what he was amazed at. He was amazed by people's faith. The only thing you and I can do that can actually and will actually amaze Jesus is walk in faith. Do things that point that, wow, we have a confident, assured, based on evidence of God, faith. That we sense him leading us this way and we follow in obedience. And sometimes God allows at first for it to seem like nothing's going to happen. That's the faith test. That's, right. what we, that's why we got to keep walking, keep moving forward. Well, and there's also, you, you hear folks say, less of me, more of him, right? Yes. Or die out to self. And that's exactly what it is. We're relying on our own knowledge or experience to help us through and make decisions versus giving that to God and him confirming what those decisions need to be as we move forward. So less of me and more of him. All right, Hebrews 11, two, let's read uh, verses 2 and 3. For by it, what's the it here? What are we talking about? Faith. By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, if you read around this, and depending on maybe what translation you read, you're going to understand that the elders referring here are, are kind of those older patriarchal people that Hebrews 11 is getting ready to talk about and that Josh and I in the next several weeks are going to be talking about. So, uh, for by faith, those guys obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. In other words, he spoke it into existence. It didn't just happen over billions and billions of years because of a big bang or something. God spoke and he created life. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So when we live a life of faith, we not only obtain a good testimony, but I believe we'll always have something fresh to testify about. Amen. So many of us tell stories all the time of the good old days, right? Um, you know, Josh and I, we might get together, we don't really do this, but we might, and talk about the good old days in high school, you know, or winning a state championship in middle school, or just talk about the good old days. Don't you get together with some of your friends sometimes and you talk about the, the good old days? Well, in the church, we get in that bad habit too. We want to talk about the good old days back when we got saved, back when church was really, you know, this or that, and we define all this stuff based on what happened in the past. And that is awesome. But if we are living a life of faith, you ought to be having new, fresh ways and fresh things happen in and around your life that God is doing, that you have something fresh to testify about. Does that make sense? How, so how many of you had just something this week? Mm. Two? All right, three. Now think for right? me. Yeah, think. Sometimes this is, I'm so convinced, you guys, we are, we are so in the moment people, we forget to think about what God's really done and what he's doing. What is God up to around your life currently? And if you don't know that, it's just a prayer way. God, will you start showing me what you're up to? Is there someone you want me to talk to? Is there someone you want me to help? God, I don't know, but could you reveal something that I'm to do that would bring honor and glory to you? Um, and 
trust me, he'll probably ask you to get out of your comfort zone some. But if you do that based on faith, you heard from the word, God spoke it, you heard, and you did something, you put some feet to your prayers, God's going to do something and you're going to have something fresh to praise God about, to tell your friends about, to talk to others about. Um, I love when having the opportunity to talk with someone and people will just ask me, um, so what made you want to go into the ministry? And I have a story to tell based on how God worked in my life, but I should be having fresh ways that God is working in my life, and so should you. And when we walk by faith, I believe we begin uh, to experience that more and more. And just one other thing, to Morty's point, uh, most of us have, or a lot of us have, there'll be a point in our lives where something happened, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was drugs and alcohol and a divorce, and that's a part of my testimony, right? That's a major event that happened in my life. And we want to share those things. That's how we can relate to people, yes. right? That's what brings us together in relationships and, and connection points. But again, I don't, I don't tell that story. That's not the only story no. that I have to share. You know what I mean? It's every day, what's God doing in my life? <laughs> and, and so that's what we're talking about is just, yes. yeah, you're going to continue to share those, those testimonies. Yeah, that, don't stop sharing no, no. the past stuff. Right. Don't stop that. But it's, again, there's so many new things going on in your life right now. And I could about bet you, because I know this is my experience, um, if you're in a place where you're like, I just don't feel like there's a lot of that going on right now, it, it always goes back to my time with God. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm not seeing those, those pieces in my life and new points of, of God, God moments, right, however you want to explain them, it's usually when I'm not connected to Him. When I'm not reading my Bible, when I'm not journaling, when I'm not connected to him, that's where there's a lag in this time. And then I'm, it feels like I'm relying on, if you will, those big God moments in the past around my testimony versus just daily what's happening in my life. So, if you're not putting fresh money into your bank account, you can't make fresh withdrawals, right? And so if you true. and I are not putting fresh time and effort and, and prayer stuff into God... We're not going to be able to pull out fresh testimonies and, and when we want to go to withdraw something, when we need God for something. God wants us to walk with him. We're going to look at Enoch here in just a bit. Um, before we do that, really quick, um, going back to verse 2, it talked about having faith that God made the worlds when he spoke it into existence. And I know some of you guys get into the apologetic stuff and the, you know, the evolution creation and what's all the science behind it. Study and follow the evidence. That will increase your faith. Trust me. There, there was a time in the church where the church was so scared of science because they thought it was actually going to draw people away from God. Man, science and the evidence as far as like how the earth got created and how it started and, and evolution versus creation debate. As I study the, and look at the evidence, my faith increases. It doesn't decrease at all. Amen. I mean, we don't have... We don't have any more, like, cats that are kind of half looking like a dog. We have cats in different types, different kinds, and we have dogs. And, but we don't have these, all these, these half and halves, like evolutionists say happened, even though they can only point to certain kinds. They can never find the middle kind, right? And they just go, well, billions after, after a bunch of time, you know, the middle kinds just kind of died out. 
That's just ridiculous. Well, and there's more. It takes a lot more faith for that. Yeah, and as you study, and some of you, some of you are driven by the need of that, right? So at a point in my What's ministry, that? I mean, I had to dig in and study just because I wanted that clarity. And what I realized was, is there's, as time goes by, science is becoming more connected with faith and a God because there's just so much evidence. Now, on the other end, I'm more emotionally wired, right? So I don't need quite as much as that apologetic side because I know physically, emotionally what God has done in my life. I've literally felt his presence in my life. So some of you are wired more that way. Some of you are more wired like, hey, I need to dig in and I need to read some of these uh, analogies and apologetics and study that. And it's okay, whatever end of the spectrum you are. And it's probably easy, even be a season as, you, as your faith continues to grow more and more. Very true. Couldn't have said it better, bro. Okay, so are you, let's look at verse yeah. 4, and let's go to the message version, if you would. Should be after this. There you go. So, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, and that is the most important piece of this. It is what he believed not what he brought that right. made the difference. That's, right. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous after uh, all these centuries. But that belief continues to catch our notice. So there's two things. It's about his belief, right? So he did bring one of the first, right, animals out of his flock as a sacrifice. But the main thing is... He believed and trusted in God, so therefore he knew right off the get-go, I have to bring the best of the best. And that is the belief piece inside of this. So it's not necessarily what we do, right. right? It's the belief inside of why we are doing it. If I decide to give up something, you know, for Lynn, as a lot of folks have, what is that? Because of our belief in God and the reason why we're doing that. Not necessarily what it is, if I'm giving up something for X number of days or months or even years, it is the belief behind why we're doing that. All right, I got to do this since Josh brought this up. This is, it's really good, it fits. I wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to. Um, so he brought up Lent and giving up stuff, and it's not necessarily that that makes it like, oh, good, you're, you're good and righteous. It's the belief and our faith behind that, all right? So, in other words, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. It, bringing the offering itself didn't make him righteous. He had faith and trust in God, and it was evidence of that faith. But I know all of you guys aren't on Facebook, and some of you are actually fasting from it. But I want you to read. Uh, first of all, how many of you are, like, are giving up something and you're like giving up something of the world and you're trying to add something spiritual you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you if you don't raise your hand but it's not too late you can start today just because you missed Ash Wednesday now listen to this um, so I'm reading through uh, our Facebook page of what different people are giving up you know and I share mine and and then Pastor George gets on there did you guys read Pastor George's comment well I'm gonna read it to you that it's just unbelievable so George says, just seen this, am joining starting today, will fast daily, no lunch. So from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, no lunch for George. Thanks, George. <laughs> One hour prayer walk daily except Sundays. 
whole night prayer once every Friday. Every Friday I'm just going to spend all night in prayer. Zero food or drink except water every Tuesday. Lots of Bible reading, study, repenting, being filled with all the fullness of God. Th thanks, George. All right. Yeah. Right. I'm giving up Netflix and adding an hour of reading. <laughs> right. Thanks, George. Right. So, if you've not even picked something yet, let that sink in. No, but the point is this. It's not, like Josh said, it's, it's not what we do that make us righteous. But, guys, come on. If we understand more and more how good God is, Richard attested to the love of God. He loves because that's just what he does. That's just who he is. Man, isn't he so worthy to do some things out of faith and belief in that, not to make us righteous, but in gratitude to serve him, to worship him, to give up more and more stuff of this world, and to add stuff to our lives that's going to benefit us for eternity. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, Man. but it's so true. Sometimes we all just need to stop and think about God for a little bit. That's why the scriptures tell us, be still, or be quiet, or be silent, and know that he's God. Just get in the silence and try to have all your mind just think about God and his goodness. Man, it'll change your life, because your faith will increase more and more, and you'll attempt to do things for God. You'll hear his voice more. Therefore, you will then follow. One of the things, uh, I don't know if John had shared it first or Kylie, but uh, Stephen Furtick does an interview with, a, I believe she's a neurologist, mm. Dr. Leaf. Leaf. Yeah. And anyways, uh, watched that this past week, and she talks about, I believe it's 16 minutes. And there's something around 16 minutes in the science of our brains yeah. um, that we need each day. No phone, no nothing. Just be in a, in, a, in a space where for 16 minutes, just to think, to daydream, to brainstorm, you know, just what that does to help us reset and uh, almost like a state of meditation, if you will. So I haven't done it yet, but it is, it is a challenge for some of us to shut down for 16 minutes and do nothing. It is. So, and especially without doing something else. I'll shut down for 16 minutes scrolling Facebook or watching a, a, a TV program, but just to truly be doing nothing is incredible. Yeah. One other thing I want to share with you today, which is really kind of off topic, but it really opened my <laughs> eyes a little bit, is I want to tell you a story about D.L. Moody, who a lot of you know that name, uh, Moody Bible College, author, started some schools, church, incredible um, evangelist for God. But sometimes we think about our life here on this earth and, and our walk with God and our faith and, and our experiences and, and all those things and just growing and growing. And, and uh, he wrote this before he passed, and I wanted to share it with you because it really just touched my heart. He, he says, prior to Moody's death, this is what he wrote. He says, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. But don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that's immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856. 
That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the spirit will live forever. That's good stuff. And it really like got me thinking about, man, we're just getting started, right? I mean, this is just the preparation for what is yet to come in eternity. Because it seems like at times I live my life like I'm living, I'm working, raising our kids, doing all these things. Retirement is somewhere in the future. And then I'm going to die, right? And then I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. But it's like, well, well, wait a minute. Like, what? that's just the beginning of it. And when he wrote it this way, I'm like, man, that's fascinating. I know. He's like, I don't believe it. I'm not dead. I am not I'm just, dead. I'm just getting started. So it really touched my heart, kind of changed my, we talked about our narrative last week. Hopefully that was helpful to you. But it's just really like, again, that's in my narrative now. It's like, what's that look like as I continue to grow and death comes because it's coming? And then what's that kingdom going to be like? So, Very good. Anyways, very all right. Uh, really quick, if you want the reference, Genesis 4, 1 through 15 is the full story of Cain and Abel. If you want to, since we quickly referenced it here in verse 4, Genesis 4, 1 through 15. Abel brought a sacrifice. It was accepted. Cain brought a sacrifice. It wasn't. Another Wearsby quote. Cain wasn't rejected because of his offering, but his offering was rejected because of Cain. Again, it goes back to the heart issue. All right, let's check out Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Can you imagine walking with God in such a pleasing way that God just decided... I'm not going to even allow you to experience physical death. I'm just going to take you right up here to heaven with me. I mean, you know Enoch had to have been a bad dude, like in a good way. Like his yeah. faith was crazy. I mean, it's crazy. He, did, he was just taken away so he did not see death. He wasn't found. Where's, where's Enoch? Where's Enoch? I don't know. He was, he was walking with God last I saw, and God just boop, took him. Why? Because he had a testimony that he pleased God really quick. Actually, let's read through it because it's just three verses. That's back in Genesis chapter, um, what's the next one there? Five. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. All right? After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I mean, it's so cool. If you go back and read chapter 5, you're going to read all this, and so-and-so begot so-and-so and lived so long a time. And so-and-so begot so-and-so and lived so long a time. It stops at Enoch and says, and Enoch begot Methuselah, and then he lived 300 more years. He had more sons and daughters, and he continued to walk with God 300 years, and then he was not, for God took him. And we see in Hebrews, that was because he had this testimony, that he walked with God in a pleasing way. He just pleased God and God took him. Isn't that awesome? Now, do you think that kind of walk of faith um, makes a difference in the generations behind him? Anyone know who the longest living person ever was? Ah, who was Methuselah's dad? Enoch, we just shared it with you. 969 years Methuselah lived. He was Enoch's son, Enoch the dad, Enoch the, the dad, walked with God 
365 years. Methuselah lived the longest anyone else has ever lived. When you walk by faith, when you live a life of faith, it affects the generations behind you. Just as money, storing up money and, and passing it on to your kids and your kids' kids will, will do a lot of stuff for them financially, you pass your faith on to your kids and your grandkids and you, you husbands and wives, both of you walk in faith, have a walk of faith and your kids see that, man, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking about. So what's that look like? What's it look like mm. to walk in faith? Is it panic mode, rev limiter, skies fallen, every mm. trial that comes your way? Probably not, right? So it's one thing to say it, to walk by faith. It's another thing to live it. Would you agree? That's right. So as we, again, we always look at ourselves as representatives. What are our kiddos seeing inside of us? Because what are, whether we want to believe it or not, they will grow up in how we train them up, Right. So if I say, hey, I walk by faith, and I'm going to church, and I'm reading my Bible, something happens in my life, and I'm dropping every other word there is in the book, and I'm sky's falling, I'm screaming, yelling, what's that look like to them? Is that a true walk of faith? Is that trusting in God? Is that putting our faith where it needs to be? It's a challenge, right? Because sometimes, guess what? We do get overly excited in those times. What I love to see, though, and I use this example quite a bit, as you see an older couple that's been walking in faith for a long time, what's usually their reaction whenever things go south? It's peace. You know why? Because they've been walking in faith, and they have a long list of all the things that God brought them through. That's what we started this, this message today on, right? All those things. So again, we need to be representatives for our children as to what walking in faith looks like. And if that's the case, those that we see in older people that just get softer, stuff isn't a big a deal anymore. It's because they've had that walk of faith. They didn't talk it only. A lot of us have a talk of faith, but walk implies action and movement and backing our talk. Right. And so if you're here today, and I don't know what older is, you decide. If you're 90 and that's not older to you yet, then you're not old yet. Jeremy is older than me. <laughs> yes, he is. But when you, when, when you get older, evidence that you had a walk of faith is that your heart is softer, you're more patient, you're more kind, you're more gentle, you're more loving. Things don't get to you like they used to. If you're having a consistent walk of faith. So as much as we talk about not liking to get older because of our bodies, we should like to get older in our walk of God because, man, we're just more cool, calm, and collected because stuff that we thought used to be a big deal isn't a big deal anymore. Teenagers, all that stuff that happens in high school, I know a lot of it sounds like it's a really big deal. Just ask your mom or dad who's now in their 40s. It's not that big a deal. And I know you don't understand that yet, and that's okay. But some of you are learning that. Okay, or 30s or 50s. I don't know. What's everyone laughing for? Because age, 40s. Age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have teenagers. I'm in the 40s, so I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> if you got all offended by that, then that's on you. <laughs> 
But no, some of you are learning that because some of you have parents that are learning that. Some of you are walking by faith as teenagers. Um, but you guys, you, got, you, you kids see it all the time. You see other friends just making a huge deal, and they probably have little to no faith. So start early, guys. Start early. One other thing before we go on to verse 6, and we're going to look at the message version of that, is it comes down to confidence. In, in my world, I think that's really what it is. It's our confidence in God to deliver, right? It's confidence in His promises and the Word of God. That's really what it comes down to. Our walk of faith is our confidence in God. It would is. You, would you agree? Our trust and confidence in Him. So let's take a look at verse 6. All right, this says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that He exists and He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. So this doesn't say it's difficult to please God, right? And the uh, New right. King James Version also uses the word impossible. So he is saying, you have to have faith. It's impossible to please him unless you have faith and trust in God. And again, it's not halfway there. It is impossible to do that. It's not just believing that he exists, but that actually, can you put up the NLT, the one right before that? Um, Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So that's the kind of confident faith we're talking about. Not just believing that God exists, oh yeah, I believe in God, but believing that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Now how do we know if we believe that God rewards us? If we what? We seek Him how? How do we seek Him? Sincerely. If we are not sincerely seeking God, then we may only believe that God exists, and that's not enough, Scripture says. That kind of faith does not and cannot please God. In fact, it's impossible. So today, some of you maybe are just riding on the uncertainty of faith, you just need to start sincerely seeking God and God is going to make himself known and clear to you and it's going to increase your faith and it's going to give you a faith beyond just God existing or beyond just the knowledge that Jesus died for your sins. And that will cause you to want to seek him sincerely more and more often on a regular basis. And God's going to keep doing what? What's his promise for those of us that sincerely seek him? Blesses us, rewards us, absolutely. I think it's, um, I think really it's key inside of a heart change, right? Because sometimes we end up in church because of mistakes that we've made, right? We're at the bottom of the barrel, it's all hit the fan, it's a bad situation, and we came to church, right? That's, that's the reality of sometimes where we, where we end up or how we end up here. But I think the heart change is really when we sincerely say yes. to ourselves, I need God in my life. I cannot continue to do this on my own. I'm not going to continue to fight these battles. I see people around me all the time praising and worshiping God. 
I think that's where it is. That sincere seeking inside of your own heart for you and to find out who God is is where your world will radically change. If you're seeking it for someone else, it may last a little while, but when you make that decision in your heart, is you know what? I'm going to seek God. I'm going to figure out who he is to me, what he's done for me. That's when your world will change because he will absolutely speak to your heart. My last thought is just this, and, and Josh can close us out. Um, if we're at a place where we don't think or we don't understand that we need God, we're in big trouble. Satan wants to tempt you away from God, and he wants you overcome by your sinful ways. And so when you sin, he wants to say, see, you ought to be mad. You made a promise to God and you already broke it. And, and he wants you to run away from God. But sin should actually draw us to God. Because when I sin, even though it's something I know I shouldn't have done and I did it anyway and I should have learned by now. I'm a pastor and I'm a father and I'm a husband. I have one or two choices. Get so mad at myself that I just say forget it. Turn away. Or that helps me understand how much I just need God. And when we understand we need God more and more, you will start getting to a place where that need turns into want, and you'll start wanting God more and more. And so now it's, God, I need you, and God, I want you, and you'll experience him, and you'll never, that's just a cycle that I want you to have. Don't get so holy to a point where you think you don't need God anymore. Stay humble, understand your need of God, and God will birth inside of you a want and a desire for him and his ways. Okay, praise and worship, come on up. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. I want to end on this thought, is sometimes our faith is blocked by our pride, right? Jeremy alluded to that just a minute ago. So sometimes our pride and our confidence and our own abilities can stand in our way of relying on God. Would you, would you agree with that? Men, I could probably ask and take a poll this morning, how many of you allowed your pride to stand in the way before you gave your life to Christ? And probably most of you would raise your hand, right? Because we're raised in a society where we need to provide. we got to work hard. We can knock down any barrier that comes in our way. But it's the moment that you realize just how strong and powerful our God is and how much that we need Him is whenever we let that pride down. We give it to God wholly. Some of the most incredible men that I'm blessed to walk with every single day, and many of you are in this church, are those who battled pride for many, many, many years. And the moment that you allowed God to release you from that, the moment you realize you were created in God's image for a purpose, on purpose, that's when everything changed. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to invite you. I want you to invite you to worship God this morning. If that means you taking a moment and just bowing your head and thanking Him for all the wonderful blessings that you have in your life to help you remember those things to grow your faith back up, then do that. If you want to come forward this morning and pray on your own and just thank God for all those things or to lay it on an altar and say, you know what, I have been going the other direction and I want my faith to grow and I want you to come alongside me and you want to do that on your own, come over here to your left-hand side. If you want us to pray with you in any way, come over here to your right. And here's the other thing, and I've said this before, and there may be somebody here like this this morning. You may not have he heard a word we just said, 
you may not have heard this message at all today because you're struggling with something. You got something in front of you that it's hard to see past. And if that's you this morning, I want you to come down front and I want to pray with you. All right, so let's worship and praise God this morning.